Uh, no, Jim, no arrests at this point and no identification of that victim while police work to uh, locate and notify next of kin. However, authorities did release some information and we obtained 911 phone calls associated with the homicide. She was a guest at the hotel. We have reason to believe she'd only been here a day or two. The victim was staying in a fourth floor hotel room. Police say this is the pickup she drove here. Though it has North Carolina plates, it's a rental. We learned the victim was from Central Florida and has a criminal past. The victim was a 34-year-old female from Orlando. Uh, she has an open warrant for human trafficking. Police say there is no indication the victim was involved in human trafficking at the hotel, but say something happened that led to a terrible outcome. Police won't say how the woman died, only that she suffered traumatic injuries. Sources tell Wesh, too, she was stabbed. A man who police say knows the victim ran to the front desk screaming for help, asking an employee to call 911. Then he got on the phone to say the victim was not responding. Is she breathing? Oh, no. She got a post up. Please hurry. Please hurry, please. That man is among several witnesses police are talking to in the hopes of solving this homicide. All indications are that everyone is cooperating and that they're giving us uh, some good information that we can follow up. Several other resort guests heard a commotion and also called 911, but stayed behind closed doors, alarmed about what might be going on. There was a man running down the hall yelling, call the police, call the police. There's a man running around the hallway screaming, please help me, please help me at the top of his lungs. Back live now, that's the fourth floor room that is the scene, uh, the location of this homicide investigation. The Volusia County Sheriff's Department is working with Daytona Beach Shores on the investigation. And at last check, they have been here now more than 12 hours. We're live in Daytona Beach Shores, Volusia County, Claire Metz, West 2 News. When someone like Olympia dies... This tends to be the extent of what we, the civilian news consumer, sees. The sound bites that give us what's deemed appropriate for public view. The locations that remind us where the boundaries between the good and bad sides of town lie. Just enough facts to provide a framework for a picture filled in by the worst of our preconceived notions about the parties involved. This is no one's fault, really. There are a lot of reasons why news outlets have such a dump-and-go approach to street-level homicide cases, not least of which has to do with the ever-pressing traffic report. And with upwards of 15,000 murders in the United States every year, who can keep up, really? In-depth coverage and follow-up is reserved for more sensational stories with more perfect victims. I'm as guilty of this as anyone. I probably couldn't name a single homicide victim in my home state that isn't associated with one of its many, many serial killers. But that's, well, that's why I'm doing this, isn't it? Because Olympia Saruti, a 34-year-old mother of three young kids, was stabbed to death in a hotel room on September 22, 2017 in Daytona Beach, Florida. As much as we are inured to the numbers and as myriad as are the ways in which we distance ourselves from the kinds of women who end up dead in cheap motels, we're doing ourselves a disservice, tricking ourselves into thinking we're anything more than a handful of compounded, ill-informed decisions or a streak of bad luck from being violently removed from this planet, having only the worst moments of our lives talked about for 60 seconds on the evening local and forgotten about forever. I'll keep saying it, Olympia was a person and her life mattered. 
And it's amazing to me, in doing the research for this series, how hard it is to find anything on some of these cases, even the ones that get substantial press, that verges into honoring the victims. I've spent hours scouring sometimes for a single quote from a friend or family member. But in Olympia's case, I got lucky, if you can call it that. My friend Alex knew Olympia well and wrote an obituary for her better than anything I'd be able to string together from all these six o'clock news clips. From Alex. Olympia came to me as a referral from a law enforcement vice officer who had arrested her on several occasions and we assisted her with contacting the victim's advocate to press charges on a violent pimp who was a person of interest in the homicide of an Orlando police officer. Although this pimp had sold her contract to another pimp that she'd been with before, he had gone on the lam to avoid arrest, he was still an ever-present threat in her own mind. Olympia was a product of her environment, with little opportunity to even consider that she might have other options. Olympia had told us that her mother had been involved in prostitution and had married one of her pimps. Both of Olympia's sisters had been involved in the escort modeling game, and they were all in denial that sex work was indeed the family business. The new, or rather new this time around, pimp had given himself the name Successful and had dreams of becoming a player in the hip-hop music industry. He supposedly owned a record label and was constantly in the studio and insisting that his girls work to fund his project. Successful was not what his name implied, with the promise that they would live a life of privilege when he achieved his goal. He had 11 children from 11 different mothers and had never paid a dime for child support. Most of the women who had borne his children had worked for him as sex workers and he was well known to law enforcement as the worst of the Romeo pimps. A Romeo pimp snares a woman by convincing her that they are in love. They target a woman who is looking to be loved and tell them they will fill the void in her life. They usually start off as just being friendly, then escalate the relationship with romantic elements, and then finally turn her out when the couple is faced with a real or imagined financial crisis. He tells her that any financial considerations she provided and for the support of his dream to become a famous rap artist a world-class entrepreneur, or the father of her children, she would be repaid when he eventually made his fortune. It is not all that unusual for a Romeo pimp to be actively working other girls in the presence of the new recruit. Successful was a mild-mannered character that would only become violent if he had too much to drink. He was known to treat his stable well, as can be expected, but when it was crunch time and the rent was due, he could pressure them into submission using all means necessary. Successful monitored all the girls' weight and would send them to the school playground to exercise if he felt they were putting on a few pounds. He gave them new working girl names and allowed them to make one phone call home to family once per week. In order to ingratiate herself to the pimp, Olympia took on a role that is not uncommon and she became his procurer and trainer of new girls that he would bring on. She would tell girls he was interested in that he was a great guy and very protective. She would say he was kind and generous and would make sure they were taken care of when he inevitably became wealthy and famous. Olympia was an excellent recruiter and she had gotten successful several new girls while they were out touring the country in his rented Escalade. It was Olympia and another girl who recruited Andrea during a trip back from Atlanta. They had purposely made a stop in Savannah because the deplorable economic conditions there were an excellent opportunity to get good-looking girls at a discounted price. 
The Savannah girls were more desperate and were more likely to get in a car with a stranger than the more experienced girls in Atlanta. Olympia had outdone herself on this latest trip and had returned to the cheap motel room in the most desolate outskirts of Savannah city limits with a half-starved Andrea and another young, scared blonde girl who had just been dumped on the street because she had come up pregnant by a trick. She had already had three abortions in her short 20 years. The three girls and successful set off south to Fort Lauderdale where the sex for sale trade was particularly proliferate among locals and tourists. The girls became close on the way back and without successful becoming wiser, Olympia shared her experience with me and told them that she was going to run when they got back to Florida. Within a matter of weeks of being in Fort Lauderdale, Olympia called and stated that she had stolen Successful's laptop with all their contract information on it and were seeking safe haven. There was a dramatic hideout in an abandoned schoolyard and several desperate phone calls to me and the initial law enforcement officer that had referred Olympia to us. They eventually slipped into a convenience store and awaited rescue by a police officer who took them to a local shelter to await the next bus to Orlando. Sometime in the night, the blonde girl took off and went back to Successful, leaving both Olympia and Andrea fearful for their safety. They made their way to Orlando and stayed in a hotel until the safe house was ready to accept them. They were at the hastily created shelter for an emotional 12 days before Olympia persuaded Andrea that they were in danger and they should run. Andrea, having been recruited and trained by Olympia, had little opportunity to make her own decisions and did as she was told. Olympia returned to her mother's house where her three young children lived and Andrea worked the streets until she had enough money to call successful and beg him to take her back. Olympia stayed at her mother's house with the blinds drawn until the caseworker for child services came and informed her she was in violation of a no-contact order of protection with her kids. She contacted me again asking for assistance, and we worked once again to assist her by taking her to several trade schools and letting her imagine a life that didn't involve sex work. Olympia is the poster child for women who grew up in an environment where prostitution is not only accepted, but almost encouraged. The poverty-stricken, low-income, project-style atmosphere breeds gangs and drugs and guns, and anywhere that those elements are present, there will also be sex work. It has been this way for generations, and the offspring of these victims of generational poverty brought up in foster care or by exhausted grandparents who have lived similar lives continue a cycle of impoverished existences where education rarely continues past the eighth grade. Few can read or write well, and the importance of education escapes them because they only know what they see and the best they can hope for is a low-paying job behind the counter of a fast food drive through window. The only successful people they see are the drug dealers, who prey on the meager government-assisted living that only further traps them by denying them the ability to excel, or even the knowledge that they could do better. Olympia was never a drug user, so successful would threaten her children, and her family in order to control her with fear. Imagine that you woke up tomorrow with no skills and no knowledge that you didn't have any skills, no opportunity and no knowledge that you had no opportunity, no education and no role model to show you an example of what a normal day might look like. In fact, in this very real example of how life in the projects is, the best opportunity you might have as an attractive young woman is to go to work as a lookout for a drug runner, or hold on to weapons for gang members, 
or already at high risk just by the nature of the environment, become the girlfriend of a Romeo pimp so that you won't risk being attacked by all the others. And then, just like Olympia, you find yourself trading sex for money and giving it all to the one who promised to protect you. To those of us who work with these women, it seems crazy that they don't leap at the first chance they have to get out of that environment and get an education or a good job or learn new skills that will enable them to provide for their families. But life on the streets is measured in milliseconds, and being in what any normal person considers a safe place is like being set on fire. They have never considered a future because one has never been offered. So thinking in terms of anything other than what is going to come about in the next few hours is practically impossible. When confronted with an opportunity to enter a year-long program, they go immediately into survival mode. And survival means fight or flight. And because we refuse to fight, they take flight and head straight back to the chaos of the streets. A year to them is like an eternity. They have a hard time committing to a single day. We call these girls runners. We call them runners because no matter how close we come to thinking they are free, the instant they sense a chink in the armor, they take off. In hindsight, it could be funny if it weren't so tragic. What are they running from? A comfortable bed with clean sheets and an air-conditioned home with hot running water and a full refrigerator? They feel more at home standing on a corner for 20 hours a day, having sex with strangers, risking contracting a venereal disease, being beat by a pimp or a trick, or even being killed and dumped on the side of the road. Olympia lived in a violent world where her lifespan was far less than what the average person could expect if they ate nothing but fried, processed fat and smoked cigarettes from morning till night. Olympia feared that should she take a leap of faith and embrace a life beyond the confines of what she knows? that all the time she has already wasted will taunt her every day. She doesn't consider that her destiny could be one where she shows others that are trapped by their circumstance that there surely is a way out. She could never consider that there is a possibility of possibility. Her life could account for the salvation of her own generation and for her children's futures, which, if history indeed repeats itself, surely will score a similar outcome that she and her entire family has already dictated. Olympia became a well-recognized recruiter for yet another pimp in a house on the trail in Orlando and other cities throughout the country and continued to draw new women into a life of prostitution. She was estranged from her three children and regularly snuck into her mother's house to leave money to care for them. Her mother knows what she is doing to leave the cash and knew the danger she lived daily but could do nothing to stop it. Olympia is currently married to a pimp who is convicted of murder and serving 20 years in Florida State Prison. She grieves for him, and I wonder sometimes if she doesn't think back to her brief 12 days where she had a chance to break the chains that bound her and instead chose to fulfill her destiny. She told me once in a rare, quiet moment when she wasn't trying to shock me or find a way to manipulate me into complying with a ridiculous demand that she wished she could be murdered because she didn't have the will to commit suicide. And she thought that somehow if her life were taken in violence that God would forgive her all her treachery and she would be able to go to heaven. Olympia got her wish and she was murdered in a hotel room in Daytona Beach. Just the day before, she had told her mother that she was coming home for good. Those of us who live with one foot in this world know that she could never have come home because she lived with the label of both victim and criminal. She had an outstanding warrant from another state for human trafficking, probably for her part in recruiting adult women to work for her current pimp. Olympia could have been saved if sex work were decriminalized. 
She could have reported violence against her, and she could have had access to resources that would have provided her a home and education and counseling to help her deal with all the violence she experienced in her short life. She could have been with her children. She could have been with her family. She could have gone on to become a nurse, which is what she dreamed of. Olympia was a caretaker. It was the stigma of sex work that kept her at arm's length from a society that discriminated against her as a sex worker and a woman of color. When she whispered, I don't want to run anymore, in that conversation we had many years ago, I knew that her heart and spirit were broken, and the fear that she could never break free from the guilt and shame imposed on her by the ruthless society she lived in were too overpowering for her to survive. All I could tell her was that she was already forgiven, that it had always been so. Today, we remember Olympia Saruti.